This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Every one of us in life are going to have adversity. How we respond to that adversity will determine our attitude and it will determine our character. For those of you that are familiar with the Old Testament patriarchs, you know that Abraham had a son named Isaac who in turn had a son named Jacob and each of these men have stories that challenge us in so many ways. But this morning, I want to focus on the life of one of Jacob's sons. Jacob had two wives. He was promised Rachel for seven years of hard work. And when the day came for the wedding, Laban, Rachel's father, gave him Leah instead of Rachel. And so that was an unexpected wedding day surprise for him. Jacob then worked another seven years for Rachel whom he wanted to marry in the first place. And as time went by, Leah bore many children for Jacob. But Rachel bore none. And in chapter 30 of the book of Genesis, verse 22, it says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, May the Lord add to me another son. Joseph is the son that I'd like to speak with you about this morning. He was born in adversity, and his life would be molded through adversity, even from within his own family. Adversity is hard to predict. You can't figure out when or how it will attack, but you sure know when it hits you. I want to focus my message this morning on moving forward, looking up. Regardless of the obstacles that you face, with God on your side, you can still keep moving forward. As Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And there are different approaches that people take to adversity. According to Dr. Seuss, this is one approach. I've heard there are troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead and some come from behind. But I've bought a big bat. I'm all ready, you see. And now my troubles are going to have trouble with me. But attacking your adversity is a futile approach because it won't eliminate it from your life. And then there is the second approach of simply focusing on something else. When I was in a youth group one time, um, my silly youth pastor um, would, uh, if someone, one of the youth's right foot was hurting, he'd say, let me see your other foot. And then he'd stomp on it. And then he'd say, now how bad does the other foot feel? <laughs> he wouldn't do it too hard. But the idea there is if something is hurting you more than the other thing, it just takes your focus away from the pain. But that doesn't take away adversity either, does it? The third approach, the Apostle James says, 
consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, adversity is a tool that God uses to accomplish something in your life that can be done no other way. And so if you were to have all adversity removed from your life, guess what? You may like it, but the outcome is not very good because you would not grow to become a mature person. You would not be tested to be able to handle the challenges, and you would be an unseasoned person. As we look at the story of Joseph's life, he had 11 brothers, and they were all from four different women. Family was very blended, to say the least, and I am sure that emotions ran high around the dinner table, if they had one. Out of the 11, Joseph's only full brother was Benjamin, who was younger than him, and we begin at the first of five notable stops where we will visit as we review Joseph's life's journey this morning. Turn with me, please, to chapter 37 now, beginning in verse 2. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. The first stop in our journey in Joseph's life is Joseph's parents' house. And here we begin at the first stop. This was a place of comfort for Joseph, or at least one that he was most familiar with. We can all identify with this stop in our lives. It's the status quo or the place that is like a haven for us. Even if there is difficulty to endure, we feel a certain sense of comfortability because we're at home. Joseph knew that his father loved him, and because he loved him, Joseph enjoyed the benefits of being at home. But now the report that Joseph brought to his father in verse 2, while it may have been true, what a way to begin a story. We can see here in these first couple of lines the ingredients for conflict. As it says in verse 3, now Israel, or that is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Imagine what it's like to have 11 siblings who cannot speak a kind word to you. What a chaotic home. Not only was Joseph willing to tell his father what was going on, but he was also the favorite of the family which earned him a beautiful robe that none of the other brothers received. And every time they saw him, it was a reminder that Joseph received favorite care, favorite provision. And this did not boost his popularity with his brothers in the least. It says that they hated him. What a place to be. Verse 5 says Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Things go from bad to worse. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had, guys. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the fields when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more 
because of his dream and what he had said. Now the dream was from the Lord. And God would fulfill that dream. Verse 9 says he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers as well. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. He said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. This time even his dad, who had given him the robe, was not pleased with what he was saying. So Joseph was in a great challenging situation in his home. And so the story is set that the brothers had gone to take care of the flocks near Shechem. And so uh, Joseph was told by his dad to go and to take some food to them to see how they were doing. And, and then it says that when Joseph was coming to his brothers, they had planned uh, to deal with Joseph. And they ended up throwing him into a pit. And then they ended up taking him out of the pit, selling him to some Ishmaelites that were coming by. They took that beautiful robe. They killed an animal, put the blood on the robe, pretended that Joseph was killed by a wild animal, took that robe back to dad so that there would be some closure for them. And yet Jacob's heart was now torn. And I don't think that the brothers realized how devastating this would be to their father. But it would affect the way that Jacob would interact with the rest of his kids for a long time to come. So that ended this stop in Joseph's journey. And he would move from his home to the pit. And the pit was a place where there would be a life change for Joseph. Everything had been somewhat similar in his life up to that point, but now everything was shaken. Sometimes in our lives, we get to points where it almost feels like God has abandoned us because so much changes in our life. And I can only imagine what was going on in Joseph's mind as he was going through this great challenge. Who knows what he cried out to God during those moments. But whatever it was, there was what seemed to be a turn from bad to worse as he continued to get into a greater and greater challenge. So the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So here he becomes a slave. And yet, this is exactly a part of the story that God is working out because God sees the future. If this had not happened, the future would not have unfolded the way that it did. I want to remind you that when you are walking with God, that even when you go into the fiery places, God goes with you. Just because you're in hot water doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. 
What it simply means is that God has brought you there to prepare you for something. Never forget that the trial that you're going through is the classroom that God is bringing you through to prepare you for something great that he has in store for you. And if you bail out of the classroom, you'll never get to what God has in store for you. And so in this situation, Joseph is brought into this situation that is hard for him. He had these dreams that God had given him. Now he ends up in Potiphar's house, which looked nothing like the dream. Maybe God has told you something in your spirit. And you've been walking in obedience to him. And you have not yet seen anything that looks like the dream that God has given to you. God's word to you today is, wait because it's on the way. God will fulfill his promises to you. But there is a process that has to unfold just like it unfolded in the life of Joseph. And if you allow God to take the adversity that even maybe at this moment is pressing you from all sides, if you begin to worship the Lord in the middle of the challenge, God is going to move forward his plan for you so that you can be used to bring glory to his name in a way that otherwise would never be possible. I know pain is hard. But I want to encourage you, if you keep trusting God through the pain, he is going to not only bring you through it, but he is going to bring you through that pain with a purpose. God never wastes a challenging situation in your life. So never begin to question the reality of God's presence in the middle of the circumstance. It's by faith that you need to begin, even if you don't feel like God is present, to say, God, I know that you have told me you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. I may find myself in a slave situation right now. I'm working maybe at a job that I don't really like working at. Now, Joseph probably did not prefer the place where he was. But it's very evident that his attitude was one that trusted God because instead of murmuring and complaining all the way through, whatever was asked of him, he did with a joyful spirit. And Potiphar identified the wisdom that God had given to him, and he put him in charge over everything he had. You don't do that with just anybody. Think about that. You hand the key to your house to somebody, you're going to know good and well that that person's trustworthy. And that was something that was proven because Joseph feared God. It was in this third stop of Potiphar's house that Joseph would be prepared and groomed for what God would have for him in that very nation. God was strengthening him. God was guiding him. And even in the midst of the pain, God was giving him success because he was granted the oversight over many things. Listen to this verse in Genesis chapter 39. Verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, 
Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Though Joseph was sold as a slave, yet it was evident that God had a divine destiny for him. But there would be a process, and there would be time that would pass. These parts of Joseph's life did not happen so quickly. There were moments, no doubt, where he wished that the circumstance would change, but he trusted in the Lord. And then the story continues as Joseph, the scripture says in verse 6 of chapter 39 that he was well built and handsome and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master doesn't even concern himself with anything in the house and everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one's greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And says that she spoke with him day after day, but he regularly refused. And so the situation unfolded where one day when he went to do his duties, it says that there were no other household servants inside, and she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, and had run out of the house, she called her servants, look, this Hebrew has been brought here to make sport of us. And she lied. She ended up making up a story that she would tell her husband. And her husband believed her story. And it would turn out that he would send Joseph to the next stop in his life, which would be the prison, a place he did not deserve at all. Very few men would respond the way Joseph did. There are plenty of men who would seize that opportunity. But Joseph said, no, I cannot sin against the Lord, and I cannot sin against your husband. And he was innocent. But once again, because Joseph feared the Lord, God blessed him even in this next step of his life. For it says in verse 20 that while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid at no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sound familiar? He's in a whole other setting. And the prison warder is now, warden is now affirming what Potiphar saw as well, is that Joseph was reliable and he was trustworthy. When you are walking with God in obedience, you don't need to proclaim your own goodness to other people. 
as the scripture says in the book of Proverbs, that every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You see, when you just keep walking after the Lord and you keep obeying him, God's going to be the one that opens doors for you. And your character is going to become evident because God is going to make it evident. That's why the scripture says that God gives grace to the humble and he exalts those who humble themselves in his presence. He's the one who does it. And what's wonderful about when God exalts you, you don't have to try to maintain this persona. You just keep doing what God asks you to do. And you don't have to get all stressed out. But as you follow the Lord, God is going to open doors of opportunity for you, just as he did for Joseph when he was a slave, when he was in prison. It's so important that we don't allow our circumstances to have us get a bad attitude. Your challenge is an opportunity for you to grow. Are you seizing it? If you're not working at a job that you really want to work out, begin work at, begin to pray about it, but know that God has you there for a purpose. He has you there for a reason, and he has you there for a season. It may not last forever, but don't waste the learning opportunity. You know why? Because the next job you go to is going to be the same type of thing. It'll just end up in a matter of time bringing you to that same lesson. And the sooner you learn it, the sooner I learn it, the sooner we move on to the next level. God's heart is that we would grow through adversity. Here Joseph is in a land that is foreign to him. He had to learn another language, adjusting to another culture. And yet God is elevating him in, in, the, uh, in Potiphar's house to a leadership position. God elevated him in the prison to a leadership position. He was blamed for something he didn't do. He was punished for it too. And yet he was able to find favor in the eyes of the prison, prison warden. The enemy is always trying to destroy. No doubt that it was the enemy whispering in Potiphar's wife ear, the things that she would say and the temptations that she would present. But it's as if every time the devil tried to do something to destroy Joseph, God said, that's all right. I'll turn that around for my purposes as well. I'm going to bring glory to my name through even the things that the enemy is trying to do to destroy my servant. God always has a plan to turn things around for you if you listen and obey him. Get your eyes off of what you're going through. Turn them on the Lord. Uh, Joseph could very well have looked at, oh my goodness, my brothers, my father, they're far away. Here I am in Egypt, I'm a slave. Woe is me. And if he would have just kept uh, thinking of that over and over, he would not have been able to lead. Can you imagine someone in a leadership position that is always grumbling and complaining about their circumstance, they're not going to lead well. But when you turn your eyes on the Lord, you know that he sees the big picture. and God sees your circumstances, and he will turn things around for his glory as you follow him. Joseph did not allow those circumstances to embitter him, but rather it grew him because he knew God had a master plan in mind. I wonder how many times when he was going to bed at night, he remembered, you know, I haven't seen that dream come to fulfillment yet. 
And who but knows, maybe he did not fully understand much more than the fact that there would come this general moment when his brothers and his parents would come and in some way would humble themselves before him. But he may have not understood how that would all pan out. But he knew that God had a plan. Charles West said these words. We turn to God for help when our foundations are shaking, only to learn that it is God who is shaking them. Have you ever been there? Like, God, take this storm away. Remove this pain. Remove this person from my life because they're causing me a lot of trouble. God says, I actually sent that person. What? What? Yes. I sent that person because I want you to learn how to deal with a person just like that. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? It is hard. I understand. I've shared a little bit of my story. But I want to tell you this, that God is always interested in turning things around for good. God never delights in the pain of his children. The enemy wants you to think that God sits in heaven and could care less about what you're going through. That is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. But what is true is that God will not always remove all the pain immediately from your life. Why? Because that pain serves a purpose. And that pain God uses to spare you from greater pain. If you're disciplining your kid, if you live near a road and you know that if your child inadvertently runs out in that road to catch a ball, that they're going to be hit by a car and they are going to be killed, if you know that. Now you tell your kid, do not run out in that street and your child begins to go run out in that street after you've told them no and you give them a good swat on the behind, it'll sting a bit. Now, it's not such a big deal that they're running after the ball. It's where they're running to get it and what's in store for them if they don't stop. And so your discipline of your child is intended to spare them greater pain later. So when we go through challenges, very often we may feel the sting of the moment, but we have no clue what would be in the future just like a child has no clue about running out in the road and I could die. They don't think about that when they're running after a ball. And yet we do, right? We're their parents. Now, if we as their parents see that far ahead, what about God who sees so far down? You know, and there are things that I'm reminded, but God looks at me and maybe if I have a bad attitude one day, it's not just that attitude at that moment that matters. It does matter, but that's not all that matters. It's where that attitude's going to take me five, ten years down the road. And how I'm going to react to someone down, th- down the road. And that sin is going to end up growing. Because sin grows when it's not dealt with. So when God deals with me in a particular issue, me, when God deals with me, when God deals with you, it's because not only does he see that moment, he sees where that's going. And he sees the fruit that's going to come out of that. And he says, I don't like it. And you're not going to like it either. And if you let me, I'll spare you that pain by maybe going through a little less pain right now 
And I'm very grateful that God is always working all things out for my good and for yours. And so the story goes on, and God in his sovereignty brings these two people in. He interprets the dreams. One was a really good interpretation. The other one was really bad. The guy lost his life. And the guy who ended up not losing his life, Joseph says to him, hey, when you get out of here, would you mind remembering me? Well, sure, sure, no problem. Appreciate you interpreting that dream for me and everything. That was good. I really appreciate that. And he goes on to serve in his new high, not new, but return to his position. And what does he do? Totally forgets about Joseph. Now, can you imagine Joseph thinking, now, this guy, he has influence with the, with the, uh, the, ki- the leader, the pharaoh. And all he'd have to say is a word, but he's not saying anything. Totally forgets about Joseph. There are times where you're going to bless people, and they're going to totally forget about you. And that very person could help you out of the mess you're in, but they don't do anything. What a prime opportunity for us to get a bad attitude. Are you kidding? I helped you out, and now you're in a position to help me out, and you totally forget? Yes. How are we supposed to respond? We're supposed to forget them. Joseph keeps doing what he was supposed to do. And and now, time passes. Chapter 41 says two full years passed. 23 says the cupbearer did not remember Joseph. So here's two years of forgetting. That's a long time. That's more than a few hours. All right, so he's in prison. He's innocent. Now Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has this dream, and in this dream, seven cows, sleek and fat, were grazing among the reeds. Seven other cows, ugly, gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood before those on the riverbank. I'm in chapter 41 here of Genesis in the beginning of the chapter. Pharaoh wakes up with this dream and falls asleep again, has a second dream. This time it was seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after that, seven other heads of grain were thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads, and Pharaoh woke up, and it had been a dream. And so, verse 9, the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once again angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker. And he tells his whole story about his dream, and he tells how Joseph interpreted it exactly. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, verse 14, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh explained the dreams to Joseph. Joseph interpreted them for Pharaoh and said that there would be seven years of abundant harvest followed by seven years of famine. Do you see how God was setting things up? for the fulfillment of this dream that Joseph had? Now, think about this for a moment. How much control did Joseph have over this whole setting up of things for the dream to happen? Just think about that for a moment. How much control did he exert upon this unfolding of the dream? Now, I've heard a lot of talk about go get your dream, go claim your dream, Make your dream happen. There are some things that you can do for certain things, but in this situation, and I'm not taking away from that completely, although I do think that sometimes too much emphasis is put upon what we do 
to go where we want to go. But to pause on that for a moment, in this situation, there was very little that Joseph could do to make that dream happen. You find the greatest rest when you rest in God and just obey him. As the song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. In your life right now, maybe you feel like you're far from the dream that God has given to you. You don't really have to exert your own energy to try to make that dream come true. Simply obey God. He'll make it come true. He will fulfill that dream for your life, just like he did for Joseph. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning as wise as you. You'll be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders, and only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. There's a pattern here, isn't there? In what level of, of, of respect or grace did Joseph receive in his home? He was highly honored in his home, wasn't he? By his dad, anyways. And then he moved on to Potiphar's house, and he was highly honored in Potiphar's house. In a sense, he was second in command there. In the prison, where was he? Second in command. And now he gets to the palace, and where does he go? Second in command. Do you see God's hand in this? Do you see that promotion, as the scripture says, does not come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord? You get your heart right with God, he'll put you where he wants you. He'll put you in places of influence you could never put yourself. Just walk humble and obedient to him. And as you do, he is the one who's going to fulfill his plans for you. So this brings us to the last stop along Joseph's life journey. God kept Joseph even while he was in the prison for an unreasonable amount of time, you might say. But yet those trials were growing him. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. But I'd like to ask you to fill in the blank. Instead of my brothers, I want you to fill in your name. Consider it pure joy, and I'll put my own name in there, Joseph, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You see, there are things that are not yet fully mature in my life. I don't want it to stay that way, but I need to acknowledge that fact. I'm still growing in God. I'm still learning more about God. As your pastor, there are situations I come to, I don't know how to handle, but I turn to God and I say, God, you are wise. You know exactly what to do in this situation. And you know what? Without fail, God comes through. That's the only way I'm able to be your pastor. Because without fail, God comes through. And he will fulfill his will for your life, but you have to allow him to work. Don't develop an attitude. Trust him. Consider it joy. Worship him, even in the midst of the challenge. And God will raise you up. 
Yes, he'll raise you up before people. And sometimes that can be the thing we focus on. Joseph got raised up before people. But if he had not yet been raised up in his own spirit, when he was leader of the nation, he would have fallen a great fall. Because the pressures around him were great. Sometimes we can be so eager to be promoted that we don't recognize that we need to be prepared for the promotion. And I want to just remind you of this. If you press your way into something you're not ready for, you're setting yourself up for failure. You want to go somewhere so people will recognize you? You want to be in a position so that others will look up to you? That's all fine and good. But if God doesn't prepare you along the way, when you're there, the pressure from the outside will implode you. But when you walk humble before God, there is no power on earth. There is no power in hell that can stop you from fulfilling God's plan. For you and for those that God gives you leadership over or responsibility for, that includes your family, it includes your children, includes your spouse. So trust the Lord and let him walk you through each step of the way. Jesus said this in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask you to close yourself in with God for a few moments as we wrap up this time focusing on making it through a time of adversity by keeping our eyes on him, moving forward by looking up. You may be so overwhelmed with your circumstances right now that it's hard for you to look anywhere else but to what you're dealing with. But my friend, you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And if you do, God's going to give you a better perspective and he's going to give you his strength. There is not one person that can hold you back from fulfilling the destiny God has for you. There is not one demon that can hold you back from the destiny that God has for you. But you must trust in the Lord your God. The Spirit of the Lord is here. But he's not just here to be here. He's here to touch you. There's a song. It's an old song. And it says, touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. There is only one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. You may be in a pit. You may be in Potiphar's house. You may be in the prison. But if you follow the Lord, your palace is on the way. 
My friend, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to surrender your heart to God, to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, then you're fighting a battle that you do not have what you need to win. But I have some good news for you today. The Word of God says today is the day of salvation. And the Spirit of the living God can come and live inside of you and help you to overcome. Can help you in every problem. You cannot fight these battles on your own. You need Jesus. And if you're willing to open your heart to Him and to ask Him for forgiveness, He's willing to come in, cleanse you, make you a brand new person. I'm speaking specifically to those in this room right now who either have not made a decision to follow Christ or maybe in the past you have, but you have walked away like the prodigal son and you've said, God, I'm going to do it my own way from now on. Maybe you're here today and you see that that was not such a good idea. God says, I welcome you back. If you're in this room and you're ready to come home, would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Because the Spirit of God wants to help you in your battles. If the Spirit of the Lord has been tugging in your heart, this is your opportunity. Would you simply raise your hand and I'd be glad to pray with you. <laughs> 